What's coming up this episode? Uh, Jesus. Don't store firecrackers in your stove. But stuff that's coming up. Um, an original song sung by yours truly about media coverage of crime based on race. Also, if your local school says they're going to turn your kid queer, unless you can define the word woke in under 15 seconds, could you do it? And if DeSantis is of Italian heritage, does that mean that his last name is Spanish? Plus, things that make you go, hmm, like there's a Greek god of lightning bolts, but no Greek god for gravity. Well, that's the kind of stuff that's coming up on the Anti-Woke Podcast. And I have an outdoor wood stove. I used to like burn trash and whatnot. And then when I was 13, I guess 37 years ago, I went to Mexico. And I bought a whole bunch of cheap Mexican fireworks and brought them back on the airplane. Those were the good old days. Might have even allowed cigarette smoking back then. But I found a few thousand of those firecrackers in a drawer the other day, and so I, I lit one and it didn't go off. So I took a long string of them and I put it in my outdoor wood stove, hit it with a propane torch, and it took off like crazy and shot a bunch of ashes right at me, covered me in ashes. And that was fun, but apparently what it also did was it blew a bunch of unfired firecrackers around the stove and mix them in with the ashes. So now, occasionally, when I have another fire, they go off, and it puts out the fire. The governing body for track and field just said that trans people cannot compete in female sports. And I don't think this covers, like, grade schools and whatnot, but at some point, when you get high enough up and you got track meets, probably, certainly between states or who knows what, uh, they're the governing body. So now that's three sports that have said no trans people in female sports, which is swimming, rugby, and track and field. And those things do go all the way up to Olympics. It's, you know, the, the higher up, the more likely it is to uh, prevent trans people in a particular meet. But I listened to a BBC segment on it, and what's inter interesting is, like, you can't call it women's sports, right? It used to be like, oh, women's track and field. In this segment, at least, they have to keep calling it female, right? Because a trans woman is a woman, but they're not a female. So it'll be interesting to see if we now have... I mean, you know, I don't know if they'll still call it men's. I guess you call it male. You'll have the male category and the female category instead of men's and women's. They did some public polling on how America feels about the Supreme Court. And I guess starting in 2019, they've been tracking it. And back then, about two-thirds of America, also two-thirds of Republicans, two-thirds of Democrats, um, whatever, they thought, they thought the Supreme Court was all right. So two-thirds is 66%. And then after the Supreme Court did their Roe versus Wade ruling, Democrats went from 66 down to 15%, thinking it was all right. And that wasn't that long ago, like a year or something. And anyways, now, a year later, they're up to 35%.
So Republicans are feeling good the whole time, but um, Democrats got real pissed off at the court. But now they're, I mean, they still don't like it, but they're, they're softening their stance on it. And the theory is, as long as the Supreme Court isn't in the news doing something you don't like, then America supports them, you know, maybe more than the president or other, you know, kind of political bodies. On the 538 podcast the other day, they're interviewing a guy about the U.S. Census, and he said something that was kind of a nice little microcosm about race and statistics. The guy was talking about life insurance and how it was sold in the 1940s. And apparently they had, you know, when you went to go buy life insurance, you'd say if you were white or if you were black. And then you would pay a different amount. I think black people paid more. Probably because black people died younger back then. I don't think there was any controversy over that part. But the guy said that, you know, if you broke white people down, he didn't he didn't say exactly how, but if you broke white people down into different groups, some certain kinds of white people died younger than black people. I mean, my guess in the 1940s would be like Italians. Like that was back when Italians were famous for being criminals, I think. Or just, just afterwards. You know, when, when, when were they all bootleggers? Anyways, it was right after they were all bootleggers and still being criminals, the kind that we make movies about, you know, good fellas. Anyways, so the guy's like, yeah, they lumped all the different kinds of white people together. And so therefore, some white people that died earlier than blacks paid a lower rate than blacks. And he goes, that's racist. And so my question for you, dear listener, is do you see why he's wrong? You know, given, those, given that fact pattern, do you see why he's wrong? Feel free to pause it for a second and see if you can come up with it. Well... They're cutting down trees near me. But anyways, <laughs> the reason why is, you know what he doesn't mention is that some white people live longer than blacks and they're paying too much. So, you know, that's a, that's a classic way to prove America, to, you know, in quotes, prove America is racist, is that you just say, look at this. These white people are paying, you know, unjustly less than blacks. Therefore, America's racist, and they don't, and then you just, you just conveniently leave out the fact that, yeah, rolled up in all that is a bunch of white people paying too much. So, cancels out. America's not racist once again. This week in black, crime coverage. This week in black, crime coverage. I was thinking about having recurring segments each week and then I was thinking they should have a theme song and I was like but it needs to be a song that's not copyrighted so it has to be real old so that that clock song that's old enough and so it's not a not a segment on blacks committing crimes I mean you know every race commits crimes every week uh that's nothing that's neither here nor there um but the way that the media reports on crimes by people of different race is, well, usually it's just racist against whites, but it's, but it's also interesting. So, 
you know, what's the media up to with the crime coverage? And I'll be looking for, I don't think this week, there's no, there's no good uh, media coverage of a white crime, but uh, if there is, I'll have to come up with another song and have that, have that segment, or maybe I'll roll it into the clock song, we'll see. I wish I had this idea when those Asians were doing the mass shootings. I could have sang something about Asians. But yesterday I was watching NBC Nightly News. At the beginning of the news, they tell you all the things coming up. So I don't even watch the whole show. I just watch the first five minutes. And now you know how the media is, what they're focusing on and how they're spinning stuff. Because there's always spin. And yesterday they led with a school shooting, a 17-year-old black boy shot two administrators at his high school and then ran away. I think they were searching him for a gun. Maybe they'd heard there was a gun and it was just those two and him near each other. So I don't think he was trying to be like a school. I don't know. Maybe I don't know if he's trying to be a school shooter to rack up as big a body count as possible, but they just, but there's only two people there or what, but while they were making, or what, you know, he, he was still on the run. When I was watching the show, he was still on the run. And don't quote me on this, but I think it was the, there was a black guy who shot a bunch of people on the subway about a year ago, New York. And I want to say he shot 17 people, but zero people died. But he was on the run for, I don't know, hours, maybe a day. And... You know, when they were doing the description, they were like, I think they said what he was wearing. It was like, beyond the, you know, the, the media, the media was like, this, you know, the shooter is on the loose and he's wearing a blue jacket and gray pants or something, you know, whatever he was wearing. And that was because they didn't want to stereotype any race by mentioning his race. But then, anyway, not a very useful description. You know, you throw in the race, it makes it much more useful. And so on NBC, NBC, they showed a picture. I mean, they don't mention the race, but they showed a picture. So, so I don't know. I don't know if they wanted to avoid criticism because of, you know, previous things where you leave out key details for a shooter who's, you know, on the loose. I mean, that's possible, but I don't think so. You know, that's like, that's something that anti-woke people talk about, not something that woke NBC News employees think about. I think there's just been a change. Um, at least the at least NBC News is just no longer hiding the race when it's a black person who commits a crime, and they're they're no longer just you know what they would do is just hide the entire crime entirely because of the race, and they seem to be going away from that. So that's interesting. I guess I'm a little late on this one on the white crime coverage. There was that. There was a lawyer, I believe, in South Carolina who killed his wife and his kid. And there was like wall-to-wall coverage of his trial. Um, his name was like Murdoch, but it was spelled Murda, like A-U-G-H. That was the part about it that I was, that was interesting. I don't know. Anyway, I think maybe because he was rich. I mean, I don't know why he got wall-to-wall coverage. He was, a, he was rich, he was a lawyer, and maybe because he was white? I'm going to say yeah, it was those three reasons. I didn't hear that he was a Trump voter or something, but maybe maybe that was, maybe, maybe some, something political was in there too. I mean, that's over now, but I think Netflix made a show about him, and it was one of the, 
I think the top five Netflix shows there for a while. Yeah, this is all a month ago, basically. Uh, and I'm listening to the Fifth Column podcast, and they have some information on a couple subjects I talked about last week. So black maternal mortality, that's what it's called. Apparently it's in the, I don't know, I just saw a segment on NBC News, and that was why I was talking about it last week. But apparently it's a bigger thing. It's going around, the people are talking about it. And I'm not sure, but maybe it's because Beyonce and Serena Williams had, I mean, they're both alive, but had some bad, ex- something, some, had medical emergencies or something when they were recently pregnant. And so that proves, yeah, that must be why, because they were talking about even when black women are rich, they're more likely to die during pregnancy than white women of any uh, income bracket. And then I said, you know, last week I said, I think the fact that that's because of racism is hogwash. But I guess Beyonce, like, you know, her and her husband combined are worth over a billion dollars, I believe. Maybe not after the interest rate change. But I guess, you know, she went to, she's in New York. She got the best hospital. She got an entire floor of the hospital dedicated to her. So, I mean, it was, I mean, whatever. No one has ever gotten better care than Beyonce did while pregnant. That basically proves that it's not racism. If even Beyonce is gonna have a medical emergency while pregnant, then something other than, you know, America mistreating black people is the cause because Beyonce is not being mistreated at all. The podcasters were joking that four black pregnant women died while Beyonce was being cared for because Beyonce sucked up all the hospital workers. And then they also gave an update on that Stanford Law thing. The dean of Stanford Law put out a big letter, I think 10-page letter, saying that Stanford is going to support free speech. And if you don't like it, things are not going to go well for you. And as a recap, this is because they had recently not supported free speech and people on the right were shouted down by people on the left and It was looking like, that's fine, that's wonderful, that's just what you do to fight racism in America, because America's a racist country and it deserves any kick in the balls you can give it. But the sub-dean, I guess there's the dean of the law school, I think there's the dean of students is one below that, and then a DEI dean, diversity dean, is one below that, so I mentioned at Brown, they had... I forget, I think they had seven layers of diversity deans. You know, the the, the sub-sub, I don't know, whatever. They made up names, the executive and the, um, you know. You know how you don't want to call someone a secretary because that's considered demeaning, so you call them an executive assistant. Anyways, they gave them lots of flowery titles so that it seemed like they were important. But anyways, if you were the last, <laughs> I mean, you're still making six figures, but it, it, there was, they had six layers, six, seven layers of diversity deans. Anyways, the head diversity dean at Stanford got up and was just as bad as the students and insulted the speaker, etc. And this is pretty crazy, but she was given a timeout. She was told not to come in for, she wasn't fired, but for a little while. Not sure how long. So just like NBC News covering things a little bit differently, uh, this is a different reaction from a law school to this kind of situation. 
I, like I said, a lot of law schools have had the same situation, and they all handle it the same, which is, you know, maximum wokeness. But uh, maybe stuff is changing there a little bit. And I guess there's an update on the Scott Adams thing, too. I was on Twitter the other day, and Scott Adams was trending. And the reason why was that Robin D'Angelo had said the same thing he had said, except for with the races reversed. Now, Robin D'Angelo is a pretty famous author. She wrote the book White Fragility, which I think its subtitle was Why White People Have Such Trouble Talking About Race. And I think, I think it was a bestseller, bestseller before George Floyd, but after George Floyd, that thing was, well, I think it was the number one book in the country for quite a while. I think white women, I mean, first off, white women are the biggest readers, fiction, I think normally of fiction, but anyways, you know, white women, I think the book tells white women about how they're inherently racist and evil, and then, but it makes you feel, but you know, it makes you feel good. You're like, oh, wow, I'm such a good person learning about my own racism. Anyways, it blew up. I think white women got together and had cocktail, you know, read the book club stuff and talked about racism and thought that they were good people when they supported Black Lives Matter, never imagining that that would cause the murder of 10,000 black people. But so, Robin D'Angelo, I guess she gets like $20,000 per speaking engagement. And so she was doing some sort of Zoom call and she said that black people should just stay away from whites. And if you remember, Scott Adams had his Dilbert comic um, canceled at every newspaper in America or I think every one of them, uh, because he said white people should stay away from blacks. And obviously, one of those things is evil and racist, and you need to lose your job, and the other one is enlightened and wonderful, and you're fighting systemic racism. But it was just, it was just, it was nice. It was nice for people on Twitter, because, wow, look at that, she said the same thing. I guess she didn't, I don't know if she knew about, I don't know if she said it recently or not. It might have been an old clip. So if she said it recently, I guess she wasn't aware of Scott Adams and how and how that would go down. But so, you know, you click, I looked at Scott Adams trending. It's a bunch of people posting the video of Robin D'Angelo, Robin D'Angelo saying that. But then mixed in, there was some other stuff that I don't think Scott Adams would want. And I think it was kind of racist, like the old kind of racism, the kind of racism against blacks. And a lot of people were posting tweets that said... Um, Scott Adams was right, and then there would be a video of, you know, a group of black people beating the shit out of a white person, and not a white person that deserved it. And that was one of the things that Scott Adams mentioned while he was saying a variety of things that he shouldn't have said if he wanted to keep his comic, comic artist job. Um, but he said he was tired of going on Twitter every day and seeing black people beat the shit out of white people. But like I say, you know, my black crime coverage <laughs> segment, that's not racist, because I'm not, I'm not just randomly picking black crimes to highlight. Because like I say, you could do that with any race. I mean, it's going to be a hell of a lot easier to pick black crimes to highlight than Asian crimes. But that's because Asians just don't play ball correctly. Whereas the way that the coverage goes, that is, I mean, you know, it's ra first off, it's racist against whites. Or maybe second off. Second off, it's racist against whites. And first off, 
it's part of that whole Black Lives Matter thing that is just completely destroying black lives. So, you know, those are, those are things that we should fight. The destruction of black lives is a thing that I oppose, as well as all forms of racism. But like I say, I don't think Scott Adams is going to want to be associated with that. I don't know, you know, every day Scott Adams trending and then you go there and it's just a bunch of whatever, robberies and assaults and stuff like that. I mean, he, he's been canceled from his biggest thing, but he's still on YouTube, so I mean, he, can, he can still get more canceled. Alright, we got an update to the update. I watched the next day's episode of NBC Nightly News, and so the school shooter is now dead, and in the opening tease, they had three crimes that they were talking about. So this time, the school shooter is not on the loose. I don't know how they justify it. In the tease, they did not show the face of the black school shooter. And then the other two crimes were the parents of a white school shooter. Um, they showed their, or they're in the news, they showed their faces. And then some white dentist killed his wife. And so they showed his face. So they're halfway back to their games because in the full segment they did show the black school shooter's face all right this is the classic thing where the headline of an article does not comport with the body it's gonna say contort but the dentist who killed his wife i think i think that's because of that the lawyer who killed his wife and his son now if you have you know the dentist is pretty close to lawyers you know i think any doctor lawyer or dentist as long as you're probably, I don't know if you have to, probably have to be white, or most of those people are white. Um, you're getting in the news for murder now. I mean, if you're East Asian, like Chinese descent, um, I'm sure they would show the face right off the bat. But I think like Indian, you know, South Asian, like India, um, I think that's halfway between. So and there's a lot of Indian, or whatever. There's a lot of doctors of Indian descent, so I don't know what they're going to do with those, because I'm sure some of them occasionally murder their wife. And then the 17-year-old black school shooter, it turns out two years previously, his he was going to a different high school, and his classmates turned him in for, I don't know, saying he was going to shoot up a school or something. For saying something on social media, his classmates turned him in, they went to his house, found a rifle and a high-powered magazine, and a silencer. It's very odd to have a silencer. Like, you cannot buy that at a gun store normally. Anyway, I don't know. Anyways, this guy went to some extra trouble to have a silencer, unless it was a janky homemade one. But they went to his house. He had a rifle and a... Yeah, he had the stuff for a school shooting. So it sounds like this is not a gangbanger. This is a guy who wants to... Yeah, this is a school... This is a school shooter. He didn't get it quite to get to shoot up the school the way he wanted to, but he was a school shooter. It's like the Columbine shooting 25 years ago. Uh, that has inspired a lot of school shooters since then. And uh, this guy, this guy could have been the diverse school shooter who could, you know, give representation to all the other diverse, you know, people who want to be school shooters, but... He didn't even kill anyone, so I don't think I don't think that's going to play. He could have been like the Black Little Mermaid, but it didn't work out. But it was a felony for him to have those guns. I'm not sure why. Maybe he was under because he's underage. 
But uh, the judge, I mean, who knows? Was he just being nice because he's young? Or, you know, a lot of judges are like, we're putting too many black kids in prison or something. So, anyways, they just gave him probation. They went easy on him. Well, and in fact, this would be right after George Floyd. So, I got no proof, but I bet it was related. I bet for racial reasonings, they went easy on him. And then I'm not sure how much this would have helped, but Denver high schools, of which apparently there's like a thousand of them, or maybe that's a thousand schools, including all grades, but they got a lot of schools in Denver. But the high schools had armed police officers in them. They used to have them. But in 2020, after George Floyd was murdered, having armed cops in your high school, that's racist. And so they got rid of them. And so it's kind of funny to see all these white girl high school students calling for, we need cops, we got to have them, because I'm sure they were out protesting it just a couple of years ago. And then these two parents of a school shooter, I think it was the one in Michigan, I did a podcast on them, but I don't even remember, but uh, they're getting charged with manslaughter. And I guess, well, some court ruled that they can be charged with manslaughter. And I don't know why. A court doesn't normally rule on whether or not a prosecutor can charge someone. But I guess in this case, it was so unusual. It's the first time ever, basically. So the court was involved, and they said yes. And I don't remember the case exactly, but the parents did some stuff that they shouldn't have been doing. I think the dad bought a gun for his son, or they had the gun in an unlocked thing. I mean, it's pretty common, but anyways, they had a gun around that the kid could get a hands on and then I think the kid was sent home in the morning and then went back to the school and then the mom was texting him and like they heard about a school shooting and the mom's like it's not texted her son it's not you is it or I don't know what but anyways the parents are not going to get parent of the year awards but if you start charging parents for teenagers who murder people with guns um I don't know what the percentage of teenagers who murder, murder people with guns that are black, but it's it's certainly going to be disproportionate, and it's going to be it's probably going to be quite high. It's just not the white teenager type of murder. They usually do like DUIs and stuff. So if they start charging parents who, you know, let their kids get their gun or something, um going to very quickly get disproportionate on black people and then that will be racist so we'll see i mean they're like okay we're going to change the rules so we can get these white motherfucking parents and then oh shit that net catches a ton of black people we didn't want to do that we only wanted to get the white motherfuckers what are we going to do let's go over the week's movie news um victoria alonzo was fired by marvel slash disney she was the number two person at Marvel. She was a gay Latina. I mean, she looked just like a fat white woman, but somehow she was a gay Latina, and she was pushing a lot of gay stuff at Disney. I think she was a big part of Disney coming out against the so-called Don't Say Gay Bill in Florida. But we don't know exactly. They're, they're fighting... Disney and her are fighting, and she said, oh, I'm going to, her lawyer said she's going to come out with the full story, and then you'll all see, but that hasn't happened as of this recording, and 
she was also she was in charge of special effects for Marvel, and apparently the special effects have been dog shit for Marvel lately, so that certainly could be the reason to fire her. And then the latest Marvel movie, Ant-Man 3, is a big flop, so those are probably the reasons, not because they've decided to change their politics at Disney. Disney World is about to host like the biggest gay conference I guess in the world this year and next year although the they reserved they reserved it in 2019 so I don't know if Disney would let that happen now um I mean whatever if you want to have a gay conference that would be fine what it is is it's a gay DEI business company conference so you know Pfizer sends its DEI people there so anyways I'm not I'm not okay with it it's not gay people getting together and being gay which is fine it's the cancer on America inside of each company getting together and networking and figuring out how to destroy the world and I guess go on some rides and then Jonathan Majors he's the black guy black actor who was he was in Creed 3 and he was the the main villain in Ant-Man 3 Kang the Conqueror and he's gonna be the main villain for I don't know like the next four movies and two TV shows of Marvel and his girlfriend the other I guess yesterday called the cops on him and he got arrested and charged with assault and strangulation and something else so nothing against this actor personally but if it turns out that all this stuff is true then um Disney may have to fire him and then the whole basically the guy that they were building everything around you know this was gonna make up for slavery we got a black villain and he's gonna whatever the Marvel Universe is gonna revolve around him uh, that whole thing may be toast and when you got a he said she said I mean you know it's hard to figure out the exact truth I, I think she did go to the hospital with some sort of injuries tried to look up his girlfriend it looks like he dates white women so it's unfortunate like if you if you really want to take down marvel which i mean i used to be the biggest damn marvel fan ever i collected comics but um if you want to take down marvel for woke for anti-woke reasons like i do then it would have been better if his girlfriend was black because i don't know when they find out that a black man was beating a white woman i think that uh that's going to be a radio silence type of thing from the media after after that fact is learned. It's like, did you hear Jonathan Majors was assaulting a black woman? Oh my God, that's terrible. Oh wait, it was a white woman. Oh, fuck her. That's just reparations. But yeah, he said, she said, you don't know. But it looks like people on Twitter, some mildly famous people I never heard of, are coming out of the woodwork and being like, yeah, that guy's a psychopath. This ain't the first time, so we'll see. And then I heard a theory on how or why Brendan Fraser won the Oscar for The Whale. You know, if you if you heard of that movie and you know who that actor is, but the movie's about a real fat guy, and the theory is that in the movie, the reason why he's a real fat guy is because he's gay, and his husband or boyfriend killed himself because Christians hate gays. 
So basically, the movie, you know, is hitting all sorts of stuff that Hollywood loves, which is body positivity. It's good to be fat. Um, gay, obviously a great thing to be gay. You don't want to be an evil, bigoted, straight person. And then finally, it was, you know, scratching that itch to uh, call all Christians racist and evil. But just a theory. And then the number one movie at the box office this weekend was... John Wick 4, it made just under $75 million, which is considered to be quite good. Movie cost $100 million. You want to make two and a half times as much as your budget to uh, break even, so cost $100, needs to make $250, got $75 million at the domestic in the first weekend, blah, 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 looking good. And I got the racial breakdown, so... Uh, People who went and saw the movie, it was 59% men, or maybe, yeah, I think 59, which is very high, or maybe it was 69. Whatever the number was, it was way more men than a normal movie gets. Usually, you might get close to 50-50, but not this movie. Uh, It was 32% white, 28% Hispanic, 21% Asian, and 19% black. Basically, the white number is real low, and all the other numbers are high, like super high for Asians. Asians are a small part of America, but they really came out for this movie. And then white people didn't go out, and that's because white people are old. You know, the average age of white people is quite old, and so white people don't see the movies in general. And in particular, they didn't go to see this movie. It also is R-rated. That's another reason. 75 million... It's pretty good for a John Wick one. It's really good for an R-rated movie. They don't usually make as much money because the kids can't see it. Okay, it was 69% male. Uh, over half was 18 to 34, so young. And then normally, like, California and the East Coast is where the majority of people go see movies. But this one played well in the South and the Southwest. So maybe it was kind of perceived as a conservative movie or not woke movie or I don't know. Maybe, you know, men in the South or something. Oh, and it got an A from Cinema Score, which is a very good score. A plus is the highest, but um, basically, according to the people walking out of the theater... They're like, that was a good-ass movie. And then the Writers Guild of America, I guess the union for movie writers, um, they said that you can use chat GPT AI stuff to um, write movies. And they're like, we better make rules for this because it's coming. And what they said is a computer can write your movie but you can't credit the computer in the credits. So take that as you will. And then the big movie coming up next week is Dungeons and Dragons, and it is getting phenomenal word of mouth. It's supposed to be a really good movie. And it has a directing duo that um, did a 2018 movie called Game Night, which... I watched that because I heard I heard how good Dungeons and Dragons is supposed to be. So I went back and watched their previous movie and Game Night, that's a really good movie. 
it's about a husband and a wife, and they like to play games, and then all of a sudden the game is, you know, they thought they were just playing some board games, but then the game turns out to be real, and they're fighting for their life, and there's a bunch of action, and I think, I mean, it's more of a guy movie because of so much action and stuff, but, uh, but it is a husband and a wife, and they kind of, you know, they kind of nag each other, not nag, but it, it, it's, it's, a, it's an action comedy. It's part comedy. And there's a good um, back and forth between the husband and the wife. So a female might enjoy that movie also. In case any of you, dear listeners, are a female or have a female and you're looking for a movie to check out, I recommend that one pretty highly. Jonathan Majors' lawyer has said that the woman has recanted her story. So the plot thickens on that one. I mentioned that woke... The word was in the news like more than ever before. Last podcast, but I didn't explain why. So an author named Bethany Mandel wrote an anti-woke book about maybe how wokeness is hurting our children or something. And she was doing an interview with Brianna Joy Gray to promote her book. And she used the word woke. And Joy Gray was like, uh could you define that? And the author was like, uh, uh, couldn't come up with a definition. She's like, I think this is going to go viral, huh? So the idea that, I guess, conservatives can't define woke picked up steam on Twitter. And so, you know, people on the left would be like, haha, we knew it, the conservatives can't define woke. And I'm not a huge Twitter guy, but it seemed to me that any time a mildly famous person said that no one could define it, then they would just get absolutely inundated with tons of people. Like, finally, I've been waiting my whole life to define it. Just thousands of people would come in and instantly define it for them. And I think the woke people just, they ignored that. You know, they got a thousand definitions you know, within hours, and then they, they didn't talk about that. I mean, the correct response would be, I was wrong. It turns out they can define woke just fine. Maybe this woke thing is a problem in America. Anyways, that was not what they did. And so, Brianna Joy Gray, I mean, you probably never heard of her. But anyways, she is a black woman. And I used to, I don't know, watch her podcast. And then she became a host on a show that I used to like. And in fact... I stopped watching that show because of her. But anyways, I went through a little period, not, you know, like a year ago or something, where I was like, I want to find a black woman who is not woke that I can listen to. And I think Brianna Joy Gray, she was my she was my last gasp attempt at that. And in anyway, she was she was woke. She was woke and uh, and now I'm not not trying to I'm not doing affirmative action in my podcasting anymore. And I'm not I'm no longer looking for any black women. I mean if if one of them through hard work and effort and talent comes to my attention, then that's fine, but I'm not going and looking anymore. And I just mentioned that because kind of similarly, um, there's this black guy named Toure. I think that's it. Doesn't have a last name. Or there it is, that's it, that's it. Just one word name, Toure. And back when I used to watch MSNBC all the time, you know, about a little over 10 years ago, there was a show, I can't remember what it's called, I want to call it The View, but it wasn't that. 
But there was a show that had a four-person panel, and Two Ray was one of the four people. So I've I've listened to him a bunch too, and um, I don't think I I didn't really think about it at the time. But he was not the one on the panel that I liked. And then I think since then, three out of the four have gone on to huge success. And then apparently Two Ray is on Twitter making false accusations of racism, which to a much larger audience than I have. So, I mean, he's doing all right. Good for him. But on Twitter, I think he started with no one can define it, instantly got a thousand definitions, um, which he then ignored. But then he, then he thought he, he thought he really had some. He had another way of attacking the situation. And he tweeted out that woke is just a polite version of the N-word that applies to blacks and gays. And he got a ton of responses. Again, stuff like, yeah, these straight white women with purple hair that are woke as hell. Yeah, they're real similar to blacks and gays. I mean, I'm sure any of my listeners could probably come up <clears throat> with a response to that. He got ratioed. I don't know if you know about that on Twitter. On Twitter, you get, like, replies and you get hearts, which I guess that's likes. You get replies and you get likes. And normally, you know, if Kim Kardashian says, what a beautiful sunset, she'll get nothing but likes and maybe a couple replies saying, it, oh yeah, it is nice. And it's because of Facebook back in the day, they took away the, down, the, the dislike, you know, the thumbs up, thumbs down. Twitter uses a heart. Anyways, when they took away the thumbs down stuff, all the people are left with is ratio. And that means the ratio of comments to likes. If you're getting more comments than you are likes, then it means that people didn't like what you said. And so you got ratioed. And that's what happened to him and I think a number of other people. And I did mention that, but I will re-mention that if you, you know, the mainstream media, they did a ton of articles about it, all of them taking the woke side of it. So, you know, if you're, if you're getting your information from the woke news, then, or sorry, the mainstream news, then woke is a good thing and you're a racist if you think it possibly might not be. But then if you're on Twitter, you're like, holy crap, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of dissent out there. But I'll give my definition. I've done it before. So I like my definition to be punchy, to hit hard and not be whatever, weak. So my definition for woke is racist against whites, sexist against men, and bigoted against straights. And I could add some stuff, but I feel like that would water it down. But, you know, you could also say anti-capitalist, anti-West. I mean, you could go on and on. But a lot of the definitions that I saw, or I looked at a few of them, and it seems like people, what, what other people were going with for their definition of woke was basically critical theory and equity. And as a reminder, critical theory is the idea that the world can always be broken down into oppressor and oppressed. Most frequently you do it with race, but you can do it with straight and gay and man and woman and anything else you want. Uh, Christian, Muslim, you get the idea. And then equity is the idea, not equality of opportunity where everyone gets to try, but equity is everyone needs to end up in roughly the same spot regardless of you know, if they, you know, depends on how you want to say it, but re 
It's kind of like regardless of, it, of whether or not they put in effort or had talent. And that gets tricky because, you know, if you're like super smart and super and raised in a super rich family and then someone else is like retarded and from a real poor family, uh, you know, do you really have equal opportunities? But, you know, so people kind of put that stuff together and say that the definition of woke was break the world down into oppressor and oppressed and the oppressed need to get equity by discriminating against the oppressor. I mean, you know, a woke person would never use the word discrimination. They'd throw in affirmative horseshit or whatever. Here, let's play the clip instead of going by my faulty memory. Americans consider themselves very liberal and probably fewer of them consider themselves to be woke. And so, you know, when, when well, we what does that mean to you? Could, could, would you mind defining woke? Because it's come up a couple times and I just want to make sure we're on the same page. So, I mean, woke is sort of the idea that um, I this is going to be one of those moments that goes viral. I mean, woke is something that's very hard to define and we've spent an entire chapter defining it. It is sort of the understanding that we need to re totally reimagine and re redo society in order to create hierarchies of oppression. Um, sorry, I, it's, it's hard to explain in a 15 second soundbite. Well, yeah, look, it's time. So I guess that's not good for the anti-woke cause, but it's actually a pretty funny clip. Let's go over Ukraine, Russia. Uh, this information is probably a week old, but I don't think anything has changed too much. So Ukraine and Russia are fighting over a city called Bakhmut. I want to say it has a population of 75,000. Nothing too special about it other than that is the hot point. And I'm getting most of my information from Robert Wright on the Non-Zero podcast. But apparently people who support Ukraine don't think that fighting over Bakhmut is a good idea for Ukraine. Like, it's not that important. Why are you going to basically waste a bunch of artillery, artillery ammunition and, you know, soldiers on a city? It doesn't matter that much. And the theory why they're fighting for it so hard is because Ukraine President Zelensky, he went there some number of months ago and he said, we will never let Russia take this city. So put his reputation on the line to a certain extent. So it's, I think to, you know, to, to outside countries, they don't care about this city. But in Ukraine, maybe it's, a, it's important to them. It's important to some of them. It's important to Zelensky. And so Ukrainians are dying, but I think a lot of Russians are dying. I believe that the, the Wagner Group, which is the kind of mercenary army that's supposed to be kind of badass for Russia, um, they're the ones who got the prisoners, uh, the prisoners out of Russian prisons and like are sending them to the front lines. And I've heard that basically they're sending those prisoners in there <clears throat> like cannon fodder and they're getting killed like crazy. But it's a good way to figure out the location of the Ukrainians who were killing the prisoners. And then, like, the the more high-quality part of the Russian army or Wagner Group or whoever can then kill the Ukrainians. You, see, you know, you sacrifice your pawns. 
And both Russia and Ukraine have been talking about doing some big advances, you know, to clear out the enemy that I don't think Ukraine has done theirs yet. Um, Russia was talking about doing one. It's not clear. Russia may be in the middle of their so-called big advance, um, in which case it's not really that big. Or maybe they got a bigger one coming. We don't know. And then I think Ukraine is waiting for the weather to change. So summer, uh, I think spring is muddy. Whatever, whatever seasons they have mud, that's when you don't want to move vehicles around. They just get stuck. And I guess the thing about advancing versus defending is that it's much more difficult to advance and take over an area. And it's much easier to defend. You just sit there, I guess. And so you want high-quality, experienced soldiers for the advance. And then if you're just defending, you can just put in, you know, newbies. So I think Russia and Ukraine are both having this problem where at the beginning of the war, they, you know, you fight, you're small, your experienced people are the people that were in the army when the war started. Like the day the war started, or the day before the war started, the most experienced people were in the army right then, and, you know, and they were ready to go and so on. And so when the war started, those were also the people that started getting killed right off the bat. So they're both hurting, but it looks like, well, Anyways, the current the current thinking is that if you're hoping for Ukraine to do an, an amazing advance in the summer with a whole bunch of wonderful, motivated soldiers, uh, they may not be able to come up with those soldiers. They may be dead or, you know, injured. For every death, there's many injuries. And then you might have heard of the Russian mobilization. I think that's when they started pulling people out of prisons. I don't know the difference, but it's like a draft. So, you know, you start off with your army, and these are all people who wanted to be in the army and, you know, maybe kind of wanted to go to war with the army. And then, for some reason, they're in this war, they're calling it mobilization. So, Russia did a big mobilization, and that was, that's a bunch of Russian people that didn't want to go into the army and probably didn't want to fight this fight, but now they're going anyways. And so, here's the new thing, but uh, Ukraine has switched over to a mobilization also. Like for a while there, you know, you're fighting for your country, you're protecting your family. And so people were saying, sign, sign me up. I want to go fight against Russia for Ukraine. But all those people, they already did sign up. And so now Ukraine is picking people who don't want to go. And apparently there was a high up Ukrainian officer who has since been shit canned or demoted. Um, but he accidentally talked to a western media outlet and he said the guys we're getting now are hopeless like they're afraid to even fire a gun okay it's not called an advance it's called an offensive defense offense and the thing that robert wright is worried about is that whichever side is on the offensive they suffer greater casualties like i was saying it's hard it's hard hard things get you killed and so ukraine currently has enough people to hold their line. They can play defense. They are playing defense, generally, um, except for Bakhmut. And so they got, they got the people that are trained decently enough to hold the line. But if you get a bunch of your people killed in an offensive maneuver, um, then you may not be able to do the defense that you were previously able to do.
And I will say, I mean, that, that could apply to Russia too. So either one, if they do a failed offensive, it may mess up their defensive. And another reason why a Ukrainian offensive may not be so great is the thing that they're going to be going towards is Crimea, unless they start going into Russia. But uh, the Russian public thinks Crimea is part of Russia and should be. And so it'll make the people want to join the Russian army more. And then there's been talk about airplanes. Um, it sounds like Ukraine has airplanes. I mean, Russia has airplanes. Ukraine has airplanes. For whatever reason, this is an artillery war, and giving, you know, having some more airplanes is not probably going to change anything. So given what I said, why is Ukraine so gung-ho on doing this offensive in the summer? The current thinking is that they believe America and the West will stop supporting them if they don't do a good offensive this summer. America wants it. Ron DeSantis has been in the news for some comments lately. And the comments, the two ones that really did it, were uh, they're both passive-aggressive. So I'm wondering to see if like that's kind of his M.O., his way of criticizing stuff. And one comment got the neocons riled up, and the other comment got the hardcore Trump supporters riled up, which is interesting. Those are both right-wing things. As a reminder, I'm not actually right-wing or conservative or anything like that. I'm a 2008, I used to say I was a 2010 liberal, but the more I hear about Obama starting wars, I think I'm a 2008 liberal, which is back when Obama had more uh, possibility of putting peace out in the world before he did a war in Syria and supplied weapons to Ukraine with the hope of uh, starting a war over there. But so Tucker Carlson asked all the Republican presidential candidates um, for their thoughts on, I don't know if it's foreign policy or Ukraine. And so whatever they all wrote in, most of them were like, we love war. War is the greatest thing ever. Except for two of them. And that was uh, Trump. He said, war is bad. I mean, that's whatever. That's something that I absolutely agree with Trump on. Doesn't mean his administration actually did those policies, but at least he says war is bad. And then DeSantis said something, I don't know if he's saying, yeah, we should be worrying about our own borders instead of other countries' borders. But uh, what he ended up calling the Ukraine-Russia thing uh, a border dispute. And I think, you know, you call it that because America usually doesn't get involved in border disputes. So if you call it a border dispute, then you're calling it something that America should stay out of. And so, I mean, on the left, I mean, they hate any Republican. So, you know, were the, was people on the left outraged? Sure, but that doesn't mean nothing. Woke people everywhere were outraged. But um, the neocons, neocon, I think, you know, neo means new and then con means conservative. I don't know why new conservative means a warmonger. But anyways, neocons are war... Instead of calling them warmongers, you call them neocons. And I listen to neocons because, well, because they're anti-woke. I mean, I don't agree with them about any war stuff, but we can all agree to be anti-woke. But the neocons were, they were upset by him calling it a border. 
dispute because that might mean that they're, you know, America going out and getting involved and meddling in every country across the planet uh, might be in jeopardy if he gets in there because they're, you know, people are, whatever, he's the Republican nominee, so neocons normally would support the Republican nominee and... I think that's why neocons are not really fond of Trump, and now they're worried about DeSantis. And so they were up in arms. That was interesting. And then Trump is, at, at this point, I think it's a big nothing burger. But right now, as I'm speaking, Trump is possibly going to be indicted over uh, paying hush money to a porn star to, so that she wouldn't talk right before the election. You can, I think you can pay hush money to people. You can't blackmail people, so that would be her breaking the law. You can pay hush money to whoever you want. That's not illegal. But if you do it when you're running for office, then that can be considered campaign finance, uh, I don't know, illegal stuff. So probably nothing will happen to Trump. But anyways, DeSantis kind of has a policy of not talking about Trump. In fact, I think he, he still doesn't say Trump's name. But he was asked about... Okay, a little bit more. So George Soros is a billionaire, left-wing guy who uh, has paid a lot of money to get prosecutors who want to let criminals, you know, walk free because that's racist. And so George Soros, I think, gave like a million dollars to this guy, Alvin Bragg, who's the DA of Manhattan, who a whole bunch of prosecutors and the feds and the state, they all looked into this Trump thing and decided... There's nothing there, but he's, Alvin Bragg, is, he's, he's going to do it, even though I think it's after the statute of limitations. It sounds like a shit show on his part. But he wants to be more famous, or he just, he really hates Trump or something. He's a black man. Maybe it's his duty as a black man to take down Donald Trump. But basically, Republicans across the board are criticizing this George Soros prosecutor, uh... You know, even Republicans who are famous for hating Trump, but everyone's attacking the prosecutor instead of attacking Trump or something. So DeSantis had a chance to talk about it. And he's like, mostly he's like, yeah, this political prosecution, the weaponization of the legal system is evil, blah, blah, blah. And he finally, and then he added, then he, passive-aggressive style, he added it at the end. He's like, and you know, as far as paying hush money to porn stars, I don't know anything about that. Which was kind of funny, but so the hardcore Trump supporters, they got they got their panties in a bunch over that comment. And I think DeSantis is down in the polls against Trump lately. Uh, the current question kind of is, is he likable? You know, when he gives a speech or talks to someone, do you like him? Because a lot of, not all, but a lot of presidents, presidents you got to like them. To vote for them, like that was that was Hillary's problem. Like, just look at her, look at her talk, and you're just like, I don't like that lady. You know, even if she's on my side, and I would normally vote for her. I do not like her. And so there's a question about whether or not DeSantis is likable. He may be, he's seeming like he may not be that likable. And then there's some weird clips going around the internet. Uh, DeSantis, I think, well, he's Italian. It makes me wonder. So he in Florida, he went from a squeak, like an absolute squeaker of a race to win governor the first time, to just an absolute romp with a twenty percent win um, the second time. 
we'll say the first time was kind of crazy. I forget the guy's name, but the Democrat that almost became governor. I mean, it came down to just a few thousand votes. Uh, he was a black man who, after he lost the race, then he was caught like having gay sex and doing, I think, methamphetamine with a gay prostitute. So, anyways, anyways, that was that was who was almost the president of, or sorry, the governor of Florida. But I think DeSantis did really well with the Cubans. Now, Cubans are not your normal Latinos. I think, you know, they vote more Republican. Mexican-Americans vote more Democrat. So it's hard to say if DeSantis can, if his Italian-ness, I mean, his name sounds, I mean, it is Spanish, I think. And if he can get, like, his support amongst Cubans, is that going to translate to Mexican-Americans in Nevada or something? We don't know. But there's these clips going around the internet where he's been saying his last name two different ways. Apparently, he used to say DeSantis, and now he's saying DeSantis. There's no god of gravity, which is interesting. Like, you think of fundamental physics things like electricity... Well, in ancient times, right, there was lots of gods of lightning, like Zeus and Thor. And when I was a kid, I used to play Dungeons and Dragons. And more than actually playing the game, I just, I had, the, I had some Dungeons and Dragons books. And I would just while away the hours just reading them. I guess that might be an on-the-spectrum thing. Like, my grandpa was an engineer, and he had a, whatever, whatever this is, a bridge weights book on his bedside table and he would he would read that when he was well when he wanted to he was a nice grandpa who never really said anything to me but he would take me to D Disneyland and then he would not ride the rides he would just he would just wait for me to get in line and ride the ride and then he would take me home and say only a few words the whole time and i think the most fun D&D that stands for Dungeons and Dragons um book was the monster manual that had the classic monsters let's see let's 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 see how my memory still holds um the humanoid the the basic humanoid monsters from least powerful to most it went um kobolds goblins orcs hobgoblins trolls and what's cool about all those things is that you know, you can look them up on Wikipedia or, or whatever, and, you know, like, kobolds. I don't know, I think that's from English lore. Anyway, it's all, all that stuff is, those are all words for monsters that come from the olden days. So as a kid, you're kind of learning some sort of fairy tale history. Eh, hell, I guess I'm going to talk about whatever in this segment. Um, and then we'll get back to gravity. But when I was a kid, let's see, what, what grade? It was fourth grade, although it was my, I, I, I flunked first grade. But I had a friend who was older than me. They were probably middle school. And sometimes we would play Dungeons and Dragons. But, you know, I was like a nerdy little kid, and I don't know if he was that cool, but just by being older, he was a lot cooler than me. And, in fact, I lived in a poor town, and he was the, he was like the one rich his family was the one rich family, as far as I know, in the whole damn town. Probably any other rich people lived in 
the city nearby and then owned stuff in the town. But this guy's family owned like an old folks home in California and then bought a giant ranch in Southern Oregon. And I go over there and hang out with him and he had like four wheelers and ponds with jet skis and all this stuff. A whole bunch of stuff I didn't care about. I was a nerd who wanted to play D&D. Fourth grade, what is that, 11 years old. And he didn't want to play D&D as much as me and so we had an agreement. I would have to smoke marijuana with him and go ride four-wheelers around. You know, go do that for an hour and then we would play D&D for an hour. And so yes, I first started smoking marijuana and I did it a bunch of times when I was 11. I then quit after that. And the thing is, is, I don't remember ever feeling anything from it. Like I, years later, I smoked weed almost like I feel for the first time. And then I got all blasted and silly and you know what. But uh, I swear, just as a little kid, the weed did nothing to me. But, and it was good stuff. I was, we were stealing it from his dad and, so he, and he was the rich one. So I'm sure it was the best stuff, not just bunk. Anyways, I used to have to smoke weed and ride four-wheelers to get to play D&D. The Monster Manual had some other cool stuff. Uh, like the coolest things were they had devils and demons. And like the devils, uh, you know, you have like your little kinds of devils, like, you know, like a thousand of them, you know, cannon fodder devils. And then you also had, um, I think they called them arch fiends, who were like the lords of hell. And there was nine planes of hell, I think. And each arch fiend ruled a plane, which meant like a, I guess a universe. It was like a multiverse thing. And then the names of the devils were once again taken from, I guess, Christian something. So like Asmodeus, uh, Beelzebub. They didn't name one Satan, or at least not in that book. I'm sure, I'm sure later on they created a Satan, but there was a moral panic in the 80s, right about the time I was playing it, and a little bit before me, you know, at 11, I was a young player. Most people were playing it back in whatever that was. I guess 1984, the year of the, the best songs ever. But it was teenagers playing it then, and there was a case of a guy who committed suicide supposedly because of thinking D&D was real, and everyone was like, you know, now woke people are canceling people. So back then, like, the Christians were trying to say this was of the devil and trying to cancel D&D. And unlike woke people, they didn't really get anyone fired, I don't think. And the other cool thing was uh, dragons. They had good dragons and evil dragons. And the good dragons, all their names were a metal. So like a gold dragon, silver dragon. That was the good dragons. Um, and then the evil dragons were a color. So like a red dragon, a blue dragon. But another book that I used to read, what you know... Couldn't You couldn't read it, it was just like a bunch of numbers. It'd be the name of a creature and then a bunch of numbers to go with it. But anyways, another book I had was called Deities and Demigods. And it was kind of broken down into chapters. And like one chapter would be like Greek gods. And another one would be like Egyptian gods. And uh, you know, it would say, oh, this god can throw lightning bolts or whatever. And you would learn about you learn at least the names of real gods. Like Zeus and Thor were in there, uh, Egyptians, Ra, Osiris, and India, Ishtar. So I'm, I'm gonna try and think of a god to go with um, 
various physics things. So like water, Poseidon, the sun, Ra. I think like every ancient religion has a sun god. That's where you start. The first god you create when you're creating a pantheon of gods is you start with a sun god. Sun's obviously important and powerful. Uh, Gaia was a goddess. She was the goddess of the earth in Greek mythology. I guess I'm running out of uh, physics ones. I mean, Aphrodite, goddess of love. But you can see, you just, you think of something that's around you all the time or something that people always do, you know, maybe farming or alcohol, Pan. Um, Pan was a, he's the god who has like a, the legs of a goat. He's a satyr. But it must be like how, I mean, we don't really know what goes through a fish's mind, but people think that fish don't know that they're wet because you know, all they know is water. I mean, you know, what about flying fish? But anyways, fish don't know that they're wet. And so I guess gravity is so ubiquitous that no one ever created a god for gravity, which I just find mildly interesting. And in Marvel Comics, I mean, they got tons of people that do have electric superpowers. Um, there is a guy, I, I imagine his name is Graviton, whose uh, superpower is gravity, but not, wasn't big in the superheroes. I mean, you know, in the 60s, when they were creating superheroes, or, or you know, last hundred years, um, they knew about gravity, but they didn't really assign that to superheroes too much either. And then gravity's not a force like electromagnetism. It's a bending of space and time. That's not going to go over well in the comic. Twitter handle at Anti-Woke Podcast, and thanks for listening.